You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. All right. Well, I'm a, I'm a little blown away as to how many people showed up tonight. Uh, to be honest, this is my first conference to ever speak at. And um, it has probably been... Never have I spoken to this many people at one time. <clears throat> yeah, so... Uh, never. And... Uh, and I'm, I'm really, really excited. And today I wanted to speak on identity. But coming up on this, I was, I've been talking for, to, with Scott for months. And uh, we've been trying to plan this. And I knew one thing for sure. Over the past half of a year, this is something that God has put on my heart. And it's not something that God has put on my heart for you. It's something that he put on my heart for me. Because this is something I'm struggling with now. This is not something I have perfected. And this is by no means an all-inclusive sermon on identity. I don't have all the answers. I'm 29, almost 30. And uh, I don't have all the answers to fix everyone's problems. But this is what God has taught me over the past six months. And And as I was getting ready, and as I was talking to Scott, I was so excited. And I got here to the States and... And uh, my brothers were like, hey, let's go out shooting on Saturday. And I was like, what could go wrong? Let's put guns in four kids' hands. Let's go shoot a thousand, thousand rant, rounds of ammunition. Nothing could possibly go wrong. So nobody got shot, but um, we're all here. One, two, yep, we're all here. And... Uh, and, uh, but I, I shot one of my brother's guns, and I got too close to the scope. And when it kicked back, it hit me right in the middle of the forehead. Hence this mark right in the middle of my forehead. And like I said at the beginning, this is the first conference I've ever spoke at. And I'm thinking, now I look like an idiot. Blood starts coming down my forehead, and, you know, the brothers are trying to make me feel better. It doesn't look that bad. What? There was a lot of insecurity about getting up in front of people. And I don't think that that's... Everybody in this room has an insecurity. They have somewhere in their life, something in their life that they're insecure about, that they're hiding. They don't want people to know. And I want to take you to Exodus chapter 3 and uh, verse 11. uh, Moses asked... A very interesting question when he is being called by God. Here's what the Bible says. It says, But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Moses poses this question that we all ask. Who am I? And in this society that we live in today, it's getting more and more complicated to figure out who someone is. We have so many faces and so many masks, like my dad was talking about on Sunday. If you, if you didn't get to hear that, listen to that on the podcast. It's, it really is life-changing. Um, 
and we put on these masks, whether it be on social media, growing up in church, there was your church mask. And then inside the church, there was the mask that you wanted your Sunday school teacher to see. And then there was the mask that you wanted your classmate to see so you could fit in with them. Then there was the mask that you wanted to fit in with your, with your friends outside of your school, with your friends outside of your workplace once I got to college and the friends in my workplace. And it, there, there, I got so much pressure and bogged down by which one did I show them last time. And then what do you do when there's two different people that you have two different masks for that are sitting in front of you in the same room? You shut up. That's what you do. You don't say anything. <laughs> right? You don't want to expose yourself and let them see the real you. And then after a while, you start playing this game. And after a while, you're just as confused as they are. And you don't know which one's you. So you begin believing you are what people say you are. And you know what? In our society today, everybody wants to put, you in a la- put a label on you and put you in a box. Because we want to be able to understand who I'm talking to. Give me an example. Talk politics. What does everybody do for the first 10 minutes of the conversation? They feel out where you are politically. So I can kind of adjust and watch myself and how do I speak to you? And that's not all bad. Some of that's wisdom. But we are, we are so concerned with labeling somebody before we approach them. So I don't know why we're surprised when someone says we need to go give the gospel to a stranger and we say, that's uncomfortable. Because we can't label everybody we come in contact with. And we're afraid to approach somebody that doesn't know us or that we don't know. We're afraid of saying something wrong. And so today, I hope that we can, I hope that this message kind of helps you a little bit. Moses was also insecure. You talk about a man of God. You talk about somebody that God used in a great way. He led out the children of God, God's chosen people. He leads out of captivity. He leads out of slavery. He leads them into freedom. That's what we're trying to do in this world. People are slaves to, to sin. They're blinded by their sin. They don't know how to get out and they're looking for somebody to just shed some light on their situation. They're looking for some freedom. But we have this insecurity just like Moses did. And we say, but God, who am I? Someone else can do that. I can't be the only one in hot springs that that person needs to talk to. It can't be me. So I want to give you six different things that hinder us from understanding our identity. And then I want to give you six ways that you can overcome those obstacles. Okay? So the first one is this. Number one, past. Hurts, past hurts, and past mistakes hinder us from understanding our identity. See, Moses in Exodus 2, 11 through 13, or 11 through 15, the Bible says this is one day when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, his own people. 
he looked this way and that and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. When he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together. And he said to the man in the wrong, why do you strike your companion? And he answered, who made you prince and judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptians? See, he didn't know people knew. He thought he hid it well. He thought he hid that mistake well. The problem is people always see our mistakes, don't they? And they judge you by them. And isn't it interesting that the question that he gets here is who made you prince and judge? Basically, he's saying this. Can I paraphrase it? Who are you to judge us? Who made you the authority? And you see here, then Moses was afraid and thought, surely the thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. This is how Moses goes from prince of Egypt to shepherd boy in the wilderness. Talk about an identity shift. Top of society, sitting out in the wilderness with the sheep. Those are different companions. Conversations are dull. Right? I want to give you this thought. Promise potential, not past position, determine your identity. See, Moses thought my mistakes and Moses thought, and maybe it's not a mistake in your past. Maybe it's somebody that hurt you. And that hurt is making you feel like you're worthless. You're unworthy. You're not good enough. You can't be loved. And that's somebody on the outside telling you that. Then you may say, I've done too many things wrong and it may be recent. Maybe I say, I can't go to my neighbor and talk to them because unfortunately they've seen me live. Right? And so they know who I am and what I am is not a very good Christian. So how am I going to speak something? How am I going to speak about the gospel to these people? And we hold ourselves, our identity is in what we have done and how we've been hurt. But God says something different about you when you decide to be his child. He says, I'm going to make you like me. It's called grace, people. That's the wonderful thing about, about Christ is he takes what is broken. By the way, that's what it is. And he says, I'm going to make it whole. He's going to transform us. He's going to change us into his likeness. How awesome would that be to be like God? That's what he's promised. See, that's your identity. Not what you've done. See, they even did this to Jesus in Mark 6, 3. He says, is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Why were they offended? Because there is no way that man from that socioeconomic situation 
is the son of God. They're looking at where he came from. They're looking at his past. They're looking at what he did. And they said, nah, he can't be the son of God. They judged Christ according to his past position. Not according to God saying, you're going to be the savior. See, that was promised. And like dad talked about on Sunday, we have a potential See, what's in us is we are children of God and we will be transformed into his likeness. See, what we need to understand about our past is my reactions and responses to things in my past. All they are is a reflection of my identity. See, actions reflect, but they can't determine identity. Now, you may ask, why do I say this? Well, your identity was never created because of something you did. And it can't be changed by something you do. And so the mistake we make as human beings is we say, listen, this is what I did. So identify with what I did. I made this mistake. Therefore, that's what I am. So if I change what I do, I change my identity. And we begin changing what we do. And then we still don't like ourselves. Because actions never determine who you are. They just reflect who you are. They just show you who you are. And what we really need is we really need an actual identity change. We don't need to change our behavior. We need to change what we are and then we'll behave like what we are. Right? Like teaching a dog a trick or he starts acting like a cat, like my dog in China. Crazy. He's like a cat. He won't play with me. Like, won't play at all. He sits in a corner, licks himself. Hey, you want to go? I like throw the stick. He just looks at me like, you're an idiot. Why would I go get that? He's got like this cat mentality, but you know what? It doesn't change the fact he's a dog. Now he may be be behaving like a cat, but that's a dog. And listen, some of us are behaving like a Christian. We're a sinner. And we've never let God work in us. We just change our outside to match what everybody else is doing. And if I change what I'm doing, then I'll look like a Christian and then I'll be a Christian. No, that's not how salvation works. That's not how God works. And we trick ourselves by believing the lie that what we do makes us bad or makes us broken. So therefore, if I change what I do now, I'm good. That's work salvation. That's work regeneration. We can't do that. See, your past, by the way, I'm not saying your past doesn't have any hand in your identity. Okay? But here's what mistakes do. Mistakes don't determine your identity. Mistakes and hurts present you with a choice. And what you choose will change your identity. Okay? So, let me explain this. Something bad happens to you. Someone hurts you. That doesn't determine who you are. But I'll tell you this, you have a choice to make. Am I going to be bitter? Do I choose bitterness or do I choose forgiveness? See, that choice does something in you. 
And that choice begins to shape you. It doesn't determine you. It presents you with a choice. Do you choose shame? Or do you choose grace? That's the choice. Those choices are going to change your identity. I love the story of Rahab. And I mentioned it this morning with the teenagers, okay? Here's, not that I condone what Rahab did, okay? Or her occupation. But here's, here's what I love about the story of Rahab, okay? God did not completely transform her before he ever used her. And he didn't hold her past against her before he allowed, he chose her. Right? So it's not like Rahab repented from her evil ways and her occupation before she hid the spies. What she did was she said, regardless of who I am, regardless of my past, I'm going to make a step of faith. Because I've heard about your God. And because I've heard about your God, I believe that your God's going to whoop us. And I don't want to be on this side. So go hide in the roof. Rahab's a cool story. And by the way, the Bible says Rahab the prostitute. And that's how we identify her. But she's also the bloodline of Christ. He, he doesn't expect perfection from you before he wants to use you. Rahab just said, I'm available. In spite of my past, I can make a choice now to do the right thing. So, it doesn't, here's the thing. It doesn't excuse bad behavior. But what we can find is the love of God is not a reward for your change. It is the resource by which you are changed. Get that in the right order. Your identity changes. Goes back to Sunday. If you can accept love, drop that mask, accept love, that will resource you in your change in your new identity. <clears throat> the second thing that, that, will, that will hinder us from our identity is position. My position in the world. And I'm not just talking about in Christ. I'm talking about where, where not just my past, but where I am now. I'm poor. I'm rich. I have these hindrances in my life. I have this job. I feel like God wants me to do full time, but I'm stuck at this job. Or listen, I'm a high school kid. There's not much I can do outside of just schoolwork. I want to do something for God. I just don't have the time to do something for God. And, and we sit there and Moses couldn't see his purpose because he was focused on his current position. Here God is, he's calling Moses and saying, Moses, I want you to go and I'm going to use you to set the Israelites free. And he basically looks at him and says, but who am I? Only sheep are following me. I'm just a shepherd. That's my position in this world. That's as much as I am. Don't you know what I did? I murdered somebody. I, I'm rejected by my adopted family, and I'm rejected by my own people. I have come to grips with this is my place in the world. I'm a shepherd. Every day I take these sheep to the mountain of God. This is my position. So who am I? Why would you call me? 
See, look, Moses didn't realize that his past and his current position, they were all part of his life's purpose. Do you know what mountain Horeb is? You may know by another name, Mount Sinai. I think it's interesting that for 40 years, Moses is tending sheep in the wilderness that he's going to be tending people in for his next 40. See, what, what Moses, Moses didn't understand is, see, your, your current position is not only preparation for your purpose, but also part of your life's calling. See, my purpose, here's the difference between purpose and calling. My purpose is the role I play in what God has called every Christian to do. See, we all have the same purpose, but we don't have the same role in that purpose. I should say this. We all have the same calling. We don't all have the same role. And so usually when we talk about the will of God, we're talking about our purpose. We're not really talking about our calling. We're talking about what am I supposed to do? We're not talking about what has God called me to be. Moses, see God's purpose, your purpose may be fulfilling God's calling, but God's purpose is to make you in his image as you follow in his steps. See, what you need to understand is the will of God is you. Not something you do. I heard it put this way. In our society today, we are too good at being human doings and not good enough at being human beings. Our whole identity is wrapped up in what we do, not in who we are. And we use an excuse of, I just don't have the platform or the influence to do what God has called me to do. Something interesting here is Mo Moses' occupation didn't change. His following did. Moses was a shepherd when God called him, and he was a shepherd when he died. He just had a different following. Peter, Andrew, they were fishermen. What were they doing when God found them? Cleaning their nets. Why? Because that's what fishermen do. Were they ev did they ever stop being fishermen? Nope. But they caught something different. Right? See, Moses didn't realize that being a shepherd wasn't preparation for his calling. It was his calling. And maybe the thing that you're doing right now isn't preparation for what you will do in the future. It's what God's called to do you. It's what God has called you to do right now. And we think that God's purpose is somewhere in the future. No, it's now. Well, I'm not good enough now. You'll never be good enough. Stop worrying about if I'm good enough now to do it. I don't have the platform. You have a big enough platform. Do you know people? Yeah. You have a platform. Understand that God has put you in your current position because he loves you. He's not trying to hurt you. He's trying to grow you. You are placed in your position to fulfill God's purpose, but, but God's purpose is you. God doesn't expect for you to change the world alone. He expects to change you and allow the world to watch in wonder. That's a lot harder, isn't it? 
Now, does this mean we don't speak? No, but let me, I promise you this. When you change into what God wants you to be, you're going to speak. You got to tell somebody. Because that changes of God. And it's big. It's something exciting. It's something I'm going to want to do. It's not something I have to do because it's who I am. It's not what someone tells me to do. Isn't that interesting? If we can flip things around and allow God to work on our identity, everything that we want to do or everything that we think is right are the things that become our desires. And God changes our desires. See, if we allow God to change us, we will want to speak. We will truly care about others. Others will see we are genuine, not perfect. Don't wait until you're perfect. Your transformation is a testament to the gospel. Let people watch God change you. See, that's what transparency does. Paul's testimony was amazing, and he didn't hide it. He didn't deny I killed people in the church. He said, no, I'm just going to let you see. This is what I am. This is what I was. Now watch what God's doing in my life. And follow me as I follow Christ. Take people along for the ride. As God changes your identity, as God makes you into his perfect image, as God changes you into what he has for you to become. See, God's will is not a task that he wants you to do. God's will is, some, is a task that he wants to do in you. And that's what we need to understand. I mean, how many of you like reality TV? How many of you keep up with Kardashians? Don't raise your hand. We're in church. I'm just kidding. But why do we like reality TV? Because we like to get behind the curtain. Everybody does. And it draws people closer together. And when we are genuine, others will believe us. No, believe me, that guy was not a good guy. So what you see today, that's a God thing. Because that dude was, he had problems. If we allow people to see the transformation. Here's another thing that, that scared Moses was a fear of rejection. And I'll go through this quickly. See, Moses knew he wouldn't be accepted by Pharaoh. And Moses knew he wouldn't be accepted by his people. So Moses didn't fit in anywhere. But, but here's the funny thing. If Moses cared too much about fitting in with Israel, he would have become a slave. And if Moses cared too much about fitting in with Pharaoh, he would have become an enemy of God. See, transforming to become what people need sometimes requires you to stop conforming to what they want. Transforming to become what people need. I want you to hear that word, need. Now, if people knew what they needed, they wouldn't need you. And we wouldn't have problems. But see, we get so clouded with, we can't separate. And it's just hard for us. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means you're a person. It's hard for us to separate what we want and what we need. Like, I got a five-year-old girl and a two-year-old boy, and I promise you that two-year-old boy does not know what he needs. I mean, it's crazy the things that he thinks 
I need to survive. Like, I need my Thanos mask. No, you need water, Des. No, I need the mask. The guy would die of dehydration before he takes the mask off. How many of us would die of something before we take ours off? You see, your identity can't be determined by the acceptance of your following, but by being an accepted follower. When our identity is wrapped up with how many people love me, how many people like me, that's the danger of social media. And isn't it interesting that everybody that follows you doesn't necessarily like you? They just follow you so that they can critique in the comments. Right? It's like, it's like, we're following you. Yeah, that's cool, but you hate my guts. Right? That's why I'm following you. Got to throw shade. Like that? I saw that on a Gen Z video. I'm learning your lingo. You'll have to translate for me sometimes. The, the question that you have to, the question that you have to ask yourself is who do you want to get your well done from. So the Bible says there's one of two people. You're going to get a well done, my good and faithful servant from Christ, or you're going to get a pat on the back from the people next to you. Now, once again, that may be what they want and you'll be friends. That's awesome. Well done. You got a great following. And when this life ends, you're not going to get anything. You have to, you have to count that cost. Here's another one, fear of incompetence. Exodus 4.10 says, But Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. I was like that with singing. I was so bad at singing when I went to record with my youth group for the first time, they turned my mic off. I'm not lying. I was chosen to be an administrator of the school. I love teaching. I've never administrated before. I didn't go to school for administration. But here you go. Here's 30 teachers. Tell them how to be good teachers. Like, I'm 26 at the time. Like, are you kidding me? I don't even know how to be a good teacher. Speaking. Let me tell you this. I've never had trouble talking. I've always had trouble finding something to say. I could talk your ear off. I just wouldn't say anything. It'd be an hour and you'd be like, what the heck is this about? But I wasn't nervous. Do you know why I wasn't nervous? Because I was a fool. I had no wisdom. I just get up and talk. That's the coolest thing ever. I literally have a captive audience. They have to listen to me right now. And I would milk it. I go 30 minutes over. This is cool. They can't leave. I was a horrible speaker. But then God puts me in positions where I have to speak. I'm not equipped to do that. Here's what you need to understand. God qualifies you for what he calls you. And that's what you have to choose to believe. Listen, I wasn't qualified by a school to become a school administrator. I was qualified by God to become a school administrator. And I have to believe that he, has, he is working something in me 
through the position he's put me in. And that's important. So you may not feel qualified, but you have to believe there is purpose. That's how you get past that obstacle. Obedience comes before freedom. So God, you put me in this situation. I feel held down by it. I feel held down by my job. Like I can't, I can't do what you've called me to do. And when I went to China, I felt like I can't go talk to people about God because I'm in a classroom all day. And I felt like the very thing that was supposed to be my area of influence was the thing handcuffing me. It wasn't until I submitted to God's plan that I realized, oh, these are the kids that he wants me to talk to. I got 15 of them. Once again, captive audience. They can't leave class. I'll fail you. (laughs) So obedience comes from freedom, but freedom from what? Freedom from having to know the outcome before I take the next step. That's faith. So how do you overcome your identity? Believe that there's purpose. Number five, and this is one that I really want to nail home, comparisons. Comparisons, and please, please, uh, this one I think is the one that gets most of us. Keeping up with the Joneses mentality. See, Exodus 4, uh, 4.13, Moses says, but he said, oh my Lord, Please send someone else. I can't, I can't do this. Someone can do it better. Why does Moses think anyone could do it better? You think God making a, he's, God's making a mistake? Like God got stuck in the bush and he's like, oh, there's a dude. Come over here, Moses. I'll just call him. He's the closest. I'm in a wilderness. God was there on purpose. He called Moses for a purpose. In Romans 10, Scott did an overview of Romans 10. What was the stumbling block for the Jews? It was legalism. I want to add all this stuff. Why why do we want to add all of this stuff to our lives? Why do we want to add all these rules? Well, it's a standard by which we can measure our own righteousness compared to others. Right? So I can be a good Christian as long as I'm a better Christian than you. So comparing gets us out of that, out of that accountability to, to be with Christ. So I just follow this rule and I'll be... It, the law dupes us into judging those around us in order to make us feel better about ourselves. We begin to obsess over what people like or what they expect to see. And so when we do this, when you obsess over doing what people like or what they want, we neglect to be what people need. Once again, that word needs there again. So comparison is the arch enemy of authenticity. 2 Corinthians 10, 12 through 13 talks about comparing. And he says, but we will not boast beyond limits, but will boast only with regard to to our area of influence in Christ. You cannot become who you were created to be and fulfill the roles you are supposed to fulfill if you are constantly changing who you are to look like those around you. What if our differences are the catalyst for the gospel when placed properly and fulfilling roles which they were given? See, there's two kinds of light in science. 
Okay? There's coherent light and there's incoherent light. Just to make it simple, atoms emit radiation, and when they're random and shooting everywhere, that's what we call soft light. Okay, there's no order to the atom. They're not placed in a specific order. God says that we are the light of the world. You know the most powerful form of, a, of light? It's called a laser. And all a laser is, you take atoms and you make sure that you order their emissions of radiation and you get them in the right time. You put them in the right time and you put them in the right position. And when they all fire at the right time and where they were put, you can cut a diamond. You know, if you allow God to put you where he just wants you to be and do what God wants you to do, the world will change. But what we want to do is, but, but he's doing this. I want, to do, I want to do like him. He's got this, he's got thousands of people that listen to him. So I, I, I have to create this platform and I have to be an influencer. I have to be a 15-year-old life coach. Right, I talked about you, to you guys this morning. I literally had a guy, well, one of my friends, like he's not 15, he's like 20, life coach. World evangelist. I'm not against world evangelist, but at 15, you're a life coach. What life? We compare gifts. See, you you need to be more focused on your calling rather than what gift you have. Because gifts are cultivated by practicing. Callings are cultivated by praying. And the church needs to pray more than we practice. Here's something that I want to show you in here. See, if you value your gifting more than your calling, you're called to be like Christ. Not what you do, but what you are. So if you value your gifting more than your calling, you will prostitute your calling to the person that honors your gifting. You will give up what God has called you to be, to do what you think you're good at. Because you want to compare and you think you, you decide your role. And we don't let God place our giftings. So let's not compare callings. Let's not p- compare positions or, or gifts or amount of influence with one another. God has special, unique purposes. Moses, lastly, asked the wrong question. He says, who am I? You know what God's answer is? I am. We asked the wrong question. God never calls you to do something alone. God calls you to love, and you cannot do that alone. Without God, you are nothing. With God, you are everything. Ask who is Christ, not who am I? Because if you're becoming like him, that's your identity. You've got to focus on who Christ is. And we believe that who Christ is is who I am. I can give grace because that's what I am. I'm gracious. I can give mercy because that's what I am. I am merciful. I can give forgiveness because that's what I am. I am forgiveness. I can give truth because that's what I am. I am truth. And you got to preach that to yourself. And you got to get to a point where you believe it, where I am becoming what Christ is. I don't have to compare to what God's making you to be. I only look at what God's making me to be. So in review, what keeps us from, from understanding our identity, our past, our position, Fear of rejection, fear of incompetence, comparison, the wrong question. So if our past is getting in our way, how do we overcome that? Realize that promised potential, not past position, determines your identity. You have to believe God's promise. Put it simple. You want to to find your identity? You want to overcome your past? 
believe God's promise of your future. Our current position, how do we overcome that? Realize your current position is not preparation for your purpose, but is a part of your life calling. This isn't just the beginning stage. This, what you're in right now is so important to what you're becoming. It's not a waste of time. It's important. It's a building block. You have to go through it. It's essential to who you're becoming. Fear of rejection, realize that transforming to become what people need sometimes requires us to stop conforming to what people want. Begin looking at what people need. What they need is Christ. What they need is love. Conform to him. Uh, Let's put it this way, transform to him. And don't worry about conforming to others. Fear of incompetence. Realize that God qualifies you for what he calls you. Your qualification comes from God and believe that. He didn't make a mistake putting you where he put you. Comparisons. Realize my job is not to build my brand. My job is to let go and let God build me. I am his brand. You don't need to build your brand. You don't need to build your platform. God will give that to you. What he wants is you. He doesn't want how many people you can influence. He just wants you. Because he loves you. And wrong question. Realize, I never find joy in who I am, but in who God is. And if we can change our focus to just say, God, I'm going to believe that I'm becoming you. I'm holy. I'm justified. I'm free. Believe me, you'll change the world because everything that you're supposed to do as a Christian will become what you want to do as a follower of Christ. And you will reach your world, and they will reach their world, and this world will change. I hope that was helpful. I'm going to close in prayer, and Scott, if you want to come up. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you.